0: Welcome to Boardwalk Sports Talk, the podcast by the Jersey sports fan for the Jersey sports fan. Because in New Jersey, we know you don't like us. And guess what? We don't like you either.
1: Well, hello there and welcome to episode 43 of Boardwalk Sports Talk. I'm Brian Kinkowski along with my good friend and colleague, Carl Freemeyer. It's a great day to be Jersey. It is a great day to be Jersey. It was... Great day to be Jersey yesterday. If you're a Rutgers fan, uh, Rutgers beating Temple by the score of sixty-one to fourteen, uh, we'll get we'll get right into that because that's obviously the uh, the biggest I would say biggest uh, story on the day. Would you agree, Carl?
0: Oh yeah, it's always good to start a season with a big win like that, and uh, even better to have that win happen in front of
1: all the fans for the first time and two years. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really, it was incredible. I was, I got there early. I got there uh, to see the Scarlet Walk, um, Coach Chiano and the boys giving out high fives to the fans and, uh, you know, thanking everyone. You, you could literally, it was, I don't know if Coach told the players to, to do this, but they were literally like thanking people for coming. It was like, thank you for coming out. Like, it was really just a cool, um, like interaction uh i feel like in the past when i've gone the scarlet walk like years ago before COVID and everything it was like the players just walking with headphones on and like uh you know like kind of like all business like don't acknowledge the fans but this time it was different they were literally all high-fiving everyone my son got a couple high-fives shiano's high-fiving everyone and uh you know they're literally saying thank you for coming stuff like that like i think they just i think this this past you know year and a half two years whatever long has been at this point has really put things in perspective of you know about how important it is to have fans you know at the games and stuff Shiano really seems to be relishing this
0: every every aspect of this from you know imploring the fans to get into the seats before the game you know and lead up to the game during the the work week he was saying we need all you guys in those stands and uh you know from that all the way through the way he did that scarlet walk you could just see he was he was enjoying it he was really soaking it up i think um, you know, last year obviously was a different kind of year. Our first game was October twenty fourth of twenty twenty and there was no fans. And we did a we got off to a rip roaring start last year with that phenomenal win against Michigan State. Right. But you know, this was a totally different ball game. This is your home field. Yep. Your fans are here. And and honestly, the fans are a big reason why Shiano's back in charge of this program. So I think again, he's just soaking up the the adulation and uh and enjoying every second, which is what i'd be
1: doing in in his uh in his shoes too yeah yeah he's he's very detail oriented like nothing's lost on him and you can tell like even just the little things like that like thanking the fans for coming out interacting with the fans on the scarlet walk like maybe things that even like he he may maybe he the first time around at Rutgers he missed and he you know he but like from going to other schools like ohio state and uh you know like like, maybe he kind of realized like some of the importance of interacting with your fans and and things like that like having the pep rally at the yard they had and and you know making sure you have a connection with the student body And, and speaking of the student body kudos to the Rutgers student section you guys were unbelievable that place was I mean before kickoff it was it was a very good like I would say the the front two like you know the middle two sections of the student section they were, yes. I would say, the middle two sections were pretty much full by kickoff. The rest of the stadium was empty, but the students were there. Usually it's the other way around. Um, it wasn't empty, but it was like, you know, you would like to have seen a little bit more people in their seats, but noon kickoff, you you know, you get, you understand it. But the student section by, you know, the end of the first quarter was almost completely full. And the, honestly, the crowd was, was really good considering we went from a primetime kickoff to a noon kickoff because of the. The, uh, the storm, um, which obviously pushed it back. And, and honestly, uh, thoughts and prayers to everyone that was affected by that. That was uh, an absolute nightmare uh, for a lot of people. I mean, myself, uh, you know, my, my parents were affected. Uh, I know a lot of people out there are probably really struggling. So, um, you know, I think it was the right move to, to push it back. I don't know about you, Carl. Um, oh, but, yeah. There was no other choice. I mean, the, if, the, if the, the they water held was the almost game. up to the
0: stadium. If they held the game on Thursday, it would have been with no fans. There's just right. no way they right. could have held the game that day. Um, right. Because even if you get people there, you're not going to be able to get people
1: out. It would have been a disaster, a disaster, yeah. an absolute did you, disaster. Did you see that there was a a couple shots of the stadium? Literally, the water on the Raritan River was up to the, the entrance of the student section. Yeah, r- River Road was a river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. literally was a river road. <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was that was really
0: a, but really, yeah it's a fair point you bring up i mean the stadium i thought was i thought the capacity was pretty darn good given all the challenges of the last week you know the fact that right. we did have the game the, the date switch people do have vacations they're on it's they, labor they, day they, weekend right People they are planned going the... ahead they planned ahead for a third yeah and, and you also had you know a lot of people tending to their homes right uh because of what happened so with all that in mind i thought the turnout was pretty good I, Obviously, we're going to we're gonna have a much better turnout um, when, we, when we meet Ohio State in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a much better turnout, but still yeah. pretty good.
1: Yeah, no, it's been – yeah, it was really – it was a great atmosphere. The stadium was – it was actually kind of funny. I don't know if other people felt this way, but I felt this way. It was – people almost, like, didn't know what to do. Like, it was like we almost forgot, like, how to cheer and how to be fans and stuff. Like, everyone was just kind of, like, quiet. Like, I remember during the Scarlet Walk, like, it was like everyone was like – like, Pat Hobbs spoke – and like, tried to get everyone fired up, and like, I don't know if it was just earlier. people were just like, I don't know, like what this this guy's do. He tried to do the Are You Raw Raw chant, but he did it like way too fast, like his cadence was way off, and everyone was just like, What is this guy doing? But uh, it it was funny, like it, I don't know. And then like when when we were in the stadium and stuff, like it was a little quiet, like it was you know, like I said, I don't know if it was the noon kickoff or what, where people were just like happy to be back and didn't want to get too crazy, uh, but people were almost like it just it felt like a little little off, like we. That jersey, like, um, you know, I don't even know the word I'm trying to look for right now, but that jerseyness that we usually bring, that edge, that edge-ness. yeah, like that wasn't really that. I think the student section had it, um, but the rest of the stadium, like, I was, I was actually sitting uh, pretty close to the field behind the temple bench, and like early in the game, like I was like trying to get people like standing up, and like it was like third, like it was like the like the, I think their first possession they started on the one yard line. It's like, all right, guys, like. Let's get into this. Let's, like, make sure – like, let's get the defense fired up. Let's get a safety right off the bat. And, like, on first down, I'm, like, standing up, trying to get people around me to stand up, and, like, no one's standing up. And they ended up getting a safety anyway on the third play, which was awesome. But um, I was just, like – I didn't really understand, like, what what was going on with people. Like, not – you know, I don't know. Like, if that – if that if, – I can't imagine how loud it would have been if that if they started on the one by the student section. But, unfortunately, it was on the other side of the stadium. And, like I said, they got the safety anyway, which was cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what was uh, the deal. I think we got to, as, as, uh, as, as Jersey people, we got to get, like, that edge back. Edge is a good word, Carl. I like that. Yeah.
0: Well, I think, to- also, you were, you were on the 50, like, a couple rows up. Those fans, in general, are less likely to stand up and, you know, right. scream profanities and, and get, you know, edgy, quote-unquote, because they have those tickets for a reason, and they're probably not those types of folks generally.
1: Right. Um, I was with I was with the suits.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but that other end zone, that was pretty. That was pretty desolate over there. They were pretty. That was, that was pretty bad. Hopefully, we can we can improve on that a little bit moving forward into the big into the Big Ten schedule. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, hey, overall phenomenal to be back. Phenomenal to to have more games to look forward to. Um, it's just awesome, you know, like th- just this whole weekend across the college football landscape. You know, I'm watching Florida State right now. Uh, Me too. And, and it's like unbelievable seeing all these fans in there and, and you, you can feel the energy come through the television. you're like and, and you think to yourself, I wish I was there. I wish I was there right now. That was what was missing last year. You didn't wish you were at any of those stadiums because there was no juice. There was no it wasn't an event. But there were several games this weekend where I wish I was there. Virginia Tech thought wished I was there. Wisconsin wished I was there, you know, going to that fourth quarter with jump around. Right. I wish I was at this, this stadium right now. Joe Campbell uh, watching this game because you can see that the fans are, are fired up. So yeah, it's, it's great to have it back, man. College football. There's just nothing like it. It's, it's a freaking magical sport. It really is.
1: It really is. All right. So I figured I would break this up. Um, I kind of broke up the, the, the way we'll get, we'll get through the game. Uh, I just did offense, defense, special teams, and then we we have just a couple overall notes at the end. Um, I want to start positive because, I mean, we you know, in our group chat, there was a good mix of negative and positive. But, I mean, I don't know how you can not be positive after a game like that. Like, yeah, there are things that can be improved upon. But we'll start with the defense. Um, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, they looked hungry. They obviously got the safety on the first possession, which, you know, got the crowd into it. Um, I mean, I I think I thought they were a little sluggish in the second quarter. Um, You know, but overall, like, the defense has – it looks like a strength of the team. And, you know, you have to be really pleased with the way they played. Oh, yeah. A-plus
0: for the defense. I'm giving the defense an A-plus. They were locked in from the very beginning. They made life super tough on – all the skilled players at temple. Um, I think Dewan Mathis will wind up having some really s- exceptional games this season. Cause he is a great athlete. You can yeah, see he's it. Talented, yeah. Just like uh, you can see it in his body, you know, his body type and the, the throws that he was able to make and complete, which were few and far between because our defense was so good and just harassing him. You know, you could see he, he's got some real talent. So we got after him right away. And you know, that was, one of the one of the hallmarks of Greg Schiano's defenses the first time around was he knocked quarterbacks out of the game all the time. What we do here we knocked this QB out of the game. Right. I think we should keep t- we should really keep track of the number of quarterbacks that we knock out of the game, and yeah. not because and not because we're playing dirty, but because we're delivering hard clean hits, which is what we did to him. And honestly, Dewan Mathis, that guy's got guts. I got to give him credit. He was out there like a wounded like a wounded animal. <laughs> in the second in the second half yeah try and orchestrate that comeback and they're down 26-14 and you're thinking well like this could be a game if they score one more time but at that point mathis was already dinged and then i think um if he any maje or one of the one of the defensive linemen like pile drove him into the ground and that was it he was done after that but i g- i give him credit i mean he was out there um give it, he, DeJuan mathis can look at, can definitely hold his head high he he played he played as hard as he could and i thought yes. their running back played pretty well too
1: yeah mathis you could see and if you listen to our preview uh episode with chris from the uh, the nest podcast he he talked about mathis he was a four or five depending where you look a four or five star recruit um coming into georgia and then he transferred to temple and you could see like why he was ranked that high like he's just got like a moxie to him uh he could sling the ball like effortlessly like across the field like and, obviously, he's a big, uh, you know, guy. His frame is big. He could run. Um, it's a shame he got hurt. I mean, you know, I, I feel for – I felt for him. You know, I was sitting, like I said, like right behind the temple bench. And I don't know if he came into the game with an injury because he was limping, like, very early on. Um, so, I don't know if he, like, hurt something early in the game or if he came into the game with an injury. But as it got – as the game went on, it got worse and worse. And then it looked like he got hurt on on one play. Um I you know I think it was in like the second quarter or something, and then obviously he was, he was getting iced up after that. He was you could tell he was so upset on the bench, like he just wanted to be in the game, but he just he couldn't play. So yeah, I mean you feel for a guy like that, and if he's able to get healthy, you could definitely see him. They were a different team. Like when he went down, it was that was it. Like they didn't have a prayer after that. Oh, they became know?
0: they became completely one dimensional after right. he went out. And then, right. yeah, our guys were just licking their chops. They're like, there's no way they're throwing the ball now. So right. we're gonna just sell out on the run and you know honestly our guys did such a great d- job of ball swarming the the you know just ball swarming defense really yeah. they they were all meeting the ball meeting the ball carrier um christian Izian christian was just all over the field he was in the backfield most of the day mike Tverdov. i mean we had so many near huge plays we had a ton of huge plays on defense with you know uh melton's interception return for a touchdown the safety yeah you know the fumbles and the, and the interceptions but then we also had near misses where like mike Tverdov sticks his mitts up there pops that ball strip in the air and basically oh he was ball- gonna be gone I was, oh he should have been that's so
1: bad for him girl i wanted that so bad me, for him he's such too. a likable guy like when we interviewed him like he's such a likable guy like you're rooting for him he he was actually we uh it was funny my wife was on the the social media a little bit um, mixing it up before the game because I was kind of into the game. So she was kind of, uh, you know, like v- taking videos of me and posting it on Instagram and stuff. And he actually, she, before the game, she took a picture of him on the field and wrote something to the effect of like, does temple know, like they're about to get their heads ripped off. Like, should we notify their next of kin? And he like, uh, like, you know, retweeted it or whatever. I was on Instagram. So he like posted it on his Instagram story and stuff like such an awesome dude. When that ball fell, like, fell through his hands, I was like, oh, my God. Like, if he got a touchdown, oh, my God, it would have been amazing.
0: Yeah, it was like a J.J. Watt type play. I, I think we're going to see more of that this season. But that would have been nice to to log that touchdown now because when it comes end of the year, they're going to look at the stats for the players on, at you know at Rutgers as they do with every team. And they're going to say how many defensive touchdowns and – that's how you get, you know, all Big Ten, right? right. Consideration. And and he deserved that play because he made three, he made four fifths of that play. He was right up in Dewan Mathis's grill. He pops the ball up with his hands. He, I mean, great, great awareness by him on that play. Yep. And then the ball's in the air and he's under it. And that uh, sucker, it's amazing how slippery that ball can be. Yep. It really is. It's amazing how slippery that ball can be. So, no, I mean, hey, great, great great, great game by the defense. I think the defense is going to be a really strong Oh, and and, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Temple tried to air the ball out. They tried to go pretty vertical in that game and uh, Trey Avery was all over the place. We are our our uh, defensive backfield is really good. They don't they don't commit penalties like back in the Ash era. We had some some talent too. We had like Kai Hester and um, bless Austin and, and you know, some other guys, but it seemed like we always committed penalties. Like when the ball was in the air, when a bomb play was happening, we couldn't defend it without committing a pass interference penalty. But we were, we had a clean sheet this game, man. Our defense played so clean, no face masks, no, no false, no uh, offsides, no defensive pass interference plays. They really are uh, super, super well coached and super, um, you know, disciplined. The only, the only penalty I can think of was, uh, by the way, Melton Max Melton had was a punt, a punt block away from just an a, just a monster monster game because he should have had that punt block and that's the only penalty I can think of is yeah he got that penalty on the in the kicker but but if you watch that replay he was literally all he had to do was put his hands out but I think something strange
1: happened but he was literally in the guy's in the guy's grill they, you know what the secondary was doing they were looking for the ball when it was in the air crazy concept right instead of just face guarding and. Basically guaranteeing yourself a pass interference play when it's uh you know a, a long pass they were turning around they're getting their head around they were looking for the ball yeah that Max Melton pick was I mean oh god what a I guess we'll use that as our transition to the offensive side of the ball because uh, how cool of a moment for the Melton family Bo Bo scores the the forty yard touchdown which by the way was all him like runs a hook route makes a guy miss and is just off to the races I was of course getting my son a a, a soda during that so I heard I. I didn't actually see that play live. I had to see the replay after the fact there. But, um, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that, son. But, um, yeah, so he gets that. And then Bo with the pick six later, that was like – you just got to be so – I tweeted after that. I was like, the Meltons, like you got to just be so happy for for that family. Like what a cool moment. Can you imagine being like their mom or dad? Like what could how – how could you be more proud than your your two kids scoring touchdowns like that back to back?
0: Oh man, I know. And their both their parents are Rutgers grads themselves. They were both scholarship athletes at Rutgers. So it's really cool to have those those kids excelling the way they are. Uh, Yeah, it's fantastic. And you know, the question was brought up, when's the last time brothers have each scored a touchdown for Rutgers in a game? And I don't know the answer to it yet. I'm going to try and find that out for the listeners during our next podcast. And I'm going to go through the painstaking detail of looking at every roster that Rutgers has had to <laughs> figure out if it's, even, if it's even possible. In recent memory, the only, the, only, uh, the only duo that I could think of where that could have been possible was Jason and Devin McCordy, But I know that they never scored touchdowns in the same game. I just know. They scored touchdowns in different games, but I know they never scored them in the in the in the same game. Right. But it, you know, it's it's entirely possible that in the '50s or something had happened. But I mean, it's still remarkable to think that two brothers, you know, basically two brothers, uh, scored 14 points
1: for for Rutgers this weekend. That's
0: freaking awesome. Yeah,
1: it really it really was an incredible moment. Like I, I'm not related to them in any way, and I felt like pride oozing out of my pores for that family. Like. And their dad went to Rutgers, you know, the mom, like, you know, actually, and I, I forgot to mention this on the last podcast when we did the preview. Do you know who owns the single game uh, Rutgers receiving record versus Temple? No. Gary Melton. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I think he it was 165 yards um, back when he played. So And he still holds the record for uh, against Temple for most yards of the game. I thought that would have been so cool if his son broke that record or something, but I'm sure I'm sure they'll break uh, break other records um, but yeah it was just oh, such a such a cool moment um, so I guess now that we're on the topic of the offense a little bit um, I would say if there is a negative on the game it was the offense early just did not look good um, there's I you know there's a bunch of different theories we can talk about on why they didn't look good you know did they uh, not want to sh- get too deep into the playbook because they knew they were better than Temple um, or, you know, is the line just not good? One thing that stood out to me was just Noah Vedrill, the quarterback, obviously just, he just didn't look comfortable to me. And I don't know if that's because he thinks the line's not good, but he just, it almost felt to me like he was looking for a reason not to throw rather than a reason to throw. Like he would drop back. And it was like he was looking downfield. Like, nope, 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 don't wanna throw that. Because there's a guy that like it was just like, can like can you just be confident, Noah, and just like throw the ball. Like, yeah, you might throw a pick sometimes, and obviously we don't want that to happen. But I'd rather you like want to make plays than like I don't know. Like, just it just felt like he was scared to throw the ball. And like every play, it was like he drops back, he looks downfield, he pulls the ball down and starts to run with it. It's like I don't know, man. Our receiving core is pretty good. I find it hard to believe that nobody was open on all those plays. Yeah, so I totally
0: agree on all on all points. I give the offense about a C+. Plus. I was disappointed with our ability to open up running lanes for our our backs. I mean, look, Isaiah Pacheco did he have a big run? Not really. Um, I think our best runs were by uh, Kyle Monagan. Uh, he was he 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 had some really nice runs, some up the gut runs, but I just didn't feel like we had big holes to run through, uh, or we didn't really create a lot of running space for our backs. Pacheco also, and this is, I don't want to get too hung up on this, but just, just an observation, it always feels like he's juking once more than he has to. I feel like if he just ran really hard in one direction, he could break he could break around the outside or break through the middle much more frequently than he does. That's just my personal opinion, but I don't want to get too caught up in that one. Uh, the, and the other thing, of course, was yeah, the lack of complete lack of a vertical passing game. I mean, against elite opponents, we did the same thing where we worked sideline to sideline, like we made it truly a one hundred yard field. But then we also used the fifty the fifty yards width too. Like we did that last year for the first time, and it, it really changed the game. Like I thought it made us so much more dynamic. But against a team like Temple, it just felt like we were outclassing them. Why? Why? Why so many throws to the flat and the slot and the, and, you know, basically across the field, not down the field? It just, it just felt like, it felt like we were, we were a little intimidated by their defense. And listen, their defense actually was decent. So I'll give them that. They, I thought their defensive backs were the best, were the best part of their team. So it's possible that, it's possible that we went in. We knew that. Actually, it's probable that the coaches told Noah that they're like, "Listen, best part of this team, this Temple team, is their defensive backs. Let's not beat ourselves today. Make the sure throws. Make the high percentage throws. Leave the low percentage throws on the bus. Basically, don't don't take too many unnecessary risks. We don't need it to win this game. And that maybe maybe that was Shiano's you know mantra going in. Maybe that was just running through Vedrill's head all game. It's very possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I don't know. Yeah. Obviously we don't know what's said. We can just observe what we see. And I mean, yeah, the the team came out, you know, we were obviously up 26 zip. um, And the thing that was frustrating to me was, was, you know, when they started their comeback and it was 26, 14 and our offense really at that point still hadn't done anything yet. I think at that, like the 26 points were like a safety, um you know there was a couple turnovers that were forced where we got the ball like really deep in their territory and like we just had to punch it in johnny Um, langan johnny langan gut gut punch runs basically pitch to johnny you can't pitch to johnny actually you can pitch to johnny because he's gonna run it right into the end zone but um yeah no i mean so i don't know like i just wanted to see like the short passes weren't really working the running wasn't really working and i wanted to see it's like okay this isn't working can we like try something different can we like, when they started, the only time they looked good during the game was when they started to stretch the field and they started throwing downfield. And I was like, can we do that? You know, but like we, like I said, we don't know. There could be a lot of reasons why they didn't do that. Like I said, yeah, you know, they might have thought they were better than Temple. They didn't need to. Uh, they might be telling Noah, you know, to like, just don't make mistakes. You know, be a game manager. I mean, his numbers are very game manager-like. 15 to 27, 138 in a touchdown, no picks. Um, I mean, so very, like, you know. He did, he not, did, by the way. We'd be remiss if we didn't say this. Great runner. He is a great runner. Yeah, you know, he a Yeah, He did nine, have some nice runs. Nine attempts for 72 yards. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's so very he, good stuff. He's averaging eight yards a carry. Isaiah was averaging 2.5 a carry, 14 uh, rushes for 40 yards. So that's not great. We obviously expect to see more. And I will say this, too. I don't know if it's our offensive line not being great. I think Chris, when we had him on, I don't remember the players' names, but I do remember him talking about their D-line being good and having like high-quality transfers on the D-line. He said
0: Lansing Ture was going to be real good, yeah, and Lansing came over with it, uh, UNC defensive lineman. I didn't hear their names at all during the game. I also, Iverson Clement didn't play at all, to my knowledge. He wasn't in the backfield at all for Temple on the running back side. By the way, one thing I want to mention about Temple, their jerseys are sick. I like. Yeah, the jer- they I really, solid. I really like their jerseys. They're actually really cool looking.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whites. So, I agree. I like. I them. mean, we
0: we still we still kicked their ass, but I mean, their their, their jerseys, <laughs> their, jerseys were, their jerseys were sweet. <laughs> Six years. So
1: yeah, I, I honestly felt bad for, like, towards the end of them. Towards the end of the game, I actually felt bad for them. Like that sideline felt just so demoralized, and like I, like these are. Well, dude, sides. think
0: about th- think about if you're a temple if you're a temple athlete, dude. What did you have? What did you find out this week? You found out. That the the conference that you're in, the American Athletic, is going to cease to exist because Cincinnati's leaving, as is UCF, right? They're both they're both fleeing to greener pastures. Oh, and I'm sorry, Houston as well. Houston's in the in the AAC, right? Yep. So you're, the AAC is going to cease to exist. Now you had a game on Thursday got canceled because Philadelphia flooded, as well as you know New Brunswick. So you have family that maybe was affected by a hurricane. Oh, and now you're losing by 40 to Rutgers. I mean, that's right. that is like uh, the worst week in, in Temple history.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. Um, definitely not great. Um, and this is one of the cool things. So I uh, my wife uh, obviously uh, got me some pretty cool tickets and uh, right behind the Temple bench. And you, you get to see some cool stuff happening um, when you're sitting that close. And some things I observed uh, players acting out um, like after they fumbled, like, going to the side. Like, I think it's normal for a player to, like, um, you know, be upset after a fumble. But, like, over the top, like, throwing stuff, like, to the point where the coach has to be like, dude, knock it off. I also saw a player come up to his mom in the stands and basically go off on why they're not giving him the ball, which I thought was, like, crazy. Like, and, like, coaches are looking at, like, like literally, like, the kid basically went up to his mom was like, I want out. I want to transfer. Like, like in the first game. Like, so – I mean, yeah, I think the coach there is going to have some uh, some unrest if they don't right the ship quickly. Um, I think Tempo can end up with a really, really bad season. Um, but it just I wanted to, you know, bring up a couple notes there that I, that I observed um, just from sitting so close to their bench. Also, I just quick quick question for you. I noticed Shiano had the starters in, like, really, really late into the fourth quarter, like when we're up, like, 40-something points. I mean – I don't know what's going on there. Do you think – is he sending a message to, like, Temple? Like, because they're, like, close – like, obviously, like, they're going after the same recruits as us. Is he trying to just make a statement? Was he basically trying to tell Noah that he needs to play better? So, you are you know, like – you know what I mean? Like, you're not coming out of the game. You haven't played that well. Um, Just – I thought the starters were in, like, way later than I – like, when we're up 40 points in the fourth quarter, like, let's give – we can't afford to lose a Bo Melton or a – a crook shank or a pacheco you know what i mean so i was like what are we doing here i don't know like what your thoughts are on that
0: yeah i thought it was it was definitely a statement type game where we don't want to the temple we don't want that to happen right so the goal was to really pile it on we you also didn't mention but i'm sure you remember we went for it on fourth down yeah we're up by like 30 we still went for it which is like to me a dick move. That's like the I kind agree. of That's the kind know. of
1: move that like Ohio State would pull. Dude, you know? I know. Yeah, I don't like that. And, and, and honestly, here's my thoughts on that and actually this will be a good transition to special teams. Uh another question I have, does he not trust our kicker at all? Like so I, if I want to get Ambrosio some reps, like when we're up by 40 points, we don't need the touchdown, like let's see if this kid can make a kick from th- from 40 yards in a game. Like and like we I don't understand the point of going for it there. I really don't. Like I I don't know if he, like you said, he just knows this kid doesn't have the range or the accuracy, but, like, now's the time to get him some reps in a game with a little bit of pressure on and not, you know, not wait till the game's in the line against Michigan and he he pulls the kick, you know what I mean? Um, So, that yeah, I thought that was an interesting, like you said, that was like an Ohio State-type move, like run up the score. And, like, that's all well and good. And if you're trying to send a message to Temple, like, and, you know, recruits and stuff, I, I do get that. But, like, I don't know. I think for the betterment of the team, like, I would have liked to have seen the kid try and make it. you know I think did he kick any field goals other than extra point I think maybe he had one cuz I think we were up 5 to nothing at one point but it seemed like it was all just extra points and like real, that was a really short kick I think the the first field goal he made was like a, basically an extra point too so it was. Know, like what, what what do you think on that you think he just has no faith in him or something
0: I think he has a lot of faith in him I just think that yeah his goal was to to score as many points as possible and he probably had he probably had a call just teed up right there on that fourth and goal or that fourth down and just said, yes, and keep them in there. Let's go for it. Yeah. We made actually, so, you know, the, th- the third down conversions was really bad, really bad uh, yesterday. I think we were like two for 12 or three for 13, some really terrible number on the conversions. And when we play a good team, we're not, we're going to have to do a lot better than that. That's not that's not good enough, but the one uh, the one conversion we did make early in the game, uh, Vedril threw it to Aaron Young on like kind of an out route, which was a really nice play call. So I'll give the offense. We were
1: we were six six of sixteen on third down.
0: That's actually not as bad as I thought it was. I thought it was like two for twelve. I I think to your
1: point, I think it probably got better later in the game. Uh, Our offense seemed to get better later, but in the early game, it was you know we. We weren't doing much. We were three of three on fourth downs though. So that's that's good.
0: Yeah, think it, about that. We went for it on we went for it on fourth three times. That's interesting. Right. very right.
1: rarely do you have that in a game where you win by fifty.
0: But right. you know, we that we did have that, which is interesting.
1: A yeah. couple other special team notes. Adam Corsak, uh unbelievable. MVP. Give that man the rate. What is the is it the oh, yeah. rate guy for the best punter? I mean,
0: just he's just amazing. Ray. So the Lou Groza is the kicker, and Ray Guy is punter. Right. Yeah, so Give him the Ray I, Guy now. That guy. Is, oh man, dude! I, I think I think we're gonna see him do some really exceptional things this year. I mean, he already did some exceptional things in that game. But if you notice the rugby punt style that he yeah. does, he gets into like a full sprint before he kicks it. I thought he was going for it the one time. And then he it looks it. it but I think – I honestly believe, Brian, that he, he could he could have run for the first he has if, the he, option, if he right? wanted you think, to. You think Shiano gives him the green light? I'm
1: like, hey, I, you got I, it. Yes. Go.
0: I think Shiano tells him, listen, man, like if you have the space and you think you can go for it, go for it. Like we will not question your decision. You make it or you don't make it. We trust you, man. Yeah. Like – and what Vinny said about him he's like, dude, this guy is a legend of a, of a human being. Like everybody that's ever spoken about this kid is like he's he's freaking awesome. So. Yeah. I love that. I love that he's here still. And it, yeah. W- w- yeah, what a beast. I mean, first punt one yard line. You can. Yeah. Like that's he's, crazy. That's his crazy. directly
1: led to two points? I mean, his accuracy is unbelievable. You feel like he could like drop the football into a glass of milk from 50 yards away. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, like special teams, a plus, a plus yes. plus. I mean, they Crook-shank, were amazing. Crookshank. We got to touch on him. He looked unbelievable. He, he almost broke a couple. Uh, I think he had like over 200 all purpose yards. I mean, he was. He was great. Only a matter of time. I mean, he's going to return multiple kicks and punts for touchdowns this year. There's no doubt. You, I just love how Shiano coaches special teams. Special teams are just an absolute difference maker with him like they were the first time around. We used to block kicks all the time. We almost got one today. Just like that's one of those areas of the game that's very overlooked and very important. And he does not overlook it at all. And, you know, Crookshank obviously looked great. So, yeah, I'm he excited. did. He did. Yeah.
0: So one of my one of my not so you know great leaps here, not so great risks I'm going to take when I predict something is, I think special teams is going to win us at least two games this year. Like it's going to be clear the special teams was the reason we did it. Um, so that that's my prediction for the rest of the season because I do think that are that good. Crookshank is just ridiculous. We didn't, we didn't even see Youngblood yesterday. We didn't yeah. really even we didn't even really see Josh Youngblood do anything. Would you would you care to say that our special teams are special? Uh yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: Dad <laughs> up number one.
0: I do think Crookshank is going to be in the league as a kick returner. I really yeah. do. I, I yeah. he's that good. I mean, fi- you got to find you got to find a you got to find a role for him somewhere else on the on the team. You know, maybe like a fifth wide receiver or something. But he's he's valuable enough where it's worth it's worth just signing him to to return kicks because he can he can one hundred percent every time. That ball's in the air. He can take it
1: to the house. Definitely, yeah. He's a, he's a big threat, and he was you know firing up the student section before the game and stuff. He's got a lot of confidence, and he should. He's a he's a, a real game breaker. Um, all right, so I mean that's pretty. That's most most of the notes I had. I had a couple, obviously, overall notes. Um, Obviously, you mentioned good discipline, only one penalty, that roughing the punter, which was honestly like almost like a justified penalty because he was so close to blocking it. Plus five turnovers, also awesome. Like the fact that we didn't turn the ball over and we got five um, was great. And I did a little research on my own. I played the role of researcher this week because I was just interested. And these, you know, these don't really mean much, but, you know, I think they do mean a little something. Um, Rutgers had the most points versus an FBS opponent uh, yesterday. Of any of any FBS team. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And also the second largest margin of victory versus an FBS team. Um, so of FBS teams that played FBS teams, Rutgers had the second largest margin of victory. Only Auburn who beat Akron 60 to 10 had a large. And like, listen, like it's Temple, right? We don't think Temple's going to be great, but I mean, just think about, think about that sentence. What I just said, The fact that we had the second largest margin of victory versus an FB. This is not We didn't play Norfolk state. We didn't play Howard. We didn't play. So like Temple is an FBS team. And actually over the last five years, a pretty decent one. Like, yes, I think they're not going to have a great year. I think they're down right now. But we put up 61 points on an FBS program like from our area. Uh, one that's actually like done some like some, some significant like played in some significant games had some pretty good coaches over the past five years, um, five ten years. So I, I, just the fact that like we're mentioning Rutgers with Auburn like Auburn won sixty to ten against Akron, Rutgers won sixty one to fourteen against Temple. Like what Shiano has done with this program in a year and one game now. I mean it's literally like I, I, feel, I keep saying it over and over again. I mean it's he's he's a miracle. The guy is an absolute miracle. I hope like. He stays here forever. I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh yeah. I mean, if we told
0: our friends at the Nest right from last week, <laughs> Rutgers is going to win by forty seven, and oh yeah, we're going to score sixty one points. <laughs> I would have laughed.
1: I would have laughed right in your
0: face. That kid, yeah, he would have laughed at us first, and then I would have laughed at you if you
1: pre- if yeah. If, if I you had 20, made that what I was twenty, I don't remember what was your prediction. Mine was twenty four to seventeen. We win by ten, but honestly, there were there were moments
0: of even doubt with that i looked at the, when i looked at our depth chart i was like good god we could lose this game yeah. but yeah i mean the way it broke out you just see this is not your this is not like you can't really say it's not your dad's rutgers this is not the chris ash rutgers team right. anymore like this no. team is going to take care of business we're gonna we're gonna pile drive teams that are not in our class and it's and we're not going to leave any doubt and yeah. that's that's awesome that's awesome and, and honestly going back to the students and the students filling in the student section. I'm happy for those those kids man because we've Me it's too. it's the last time we had a meaningful season where the football was fun was tw- was 2015 2015 so you figure that was how many seasons 2016 2017 2018 2019 that is a full that's 5 years that means a whole class of kids came into the school matriculated and graduated and never saw a, a meaningful game of football one where we were you know,
1: Rele- a decent, like relevant a in some, team, right? Like just not getting embarrassed out there.
0: Yeah, and that's too bad because it was such a big part of our experience, and it's and, such a yeah. It's a, it's a huge reason why I am the fanatic I am today.
1: And huge and, reason. And me too. And speaking of embarrassing, like just to to kind of just you know rehash the point I was just making, like yes, it's Temple. Temple's not any good, probably. Right? We still don't know. Maybe they will be. Who knows? But we embarrassed Temple we were on the receiving end of getting embarrassed almost every game for the last five years. Like no matter who we played, like outside of like the FCS game or like a really, really, really bad FBS team.
0: We lost, we, we, we got crushed by Kansas. We, we lost to Eastern Michigan.
1: Right. Right. Like just some horrendous, horrendous losses. So to be embarrassing anybody at this point, like, and I mean, there's no question we embarrassed them. I mean, they, they were demoralized. Like that team, uh, they they walked off the field like it might as well just had their pants down like it was it was just an absolute through and through ass kicking. There was one moment in the game where their where their where their sideline had any sort of life, and that was when they scored the the two touchdowns to bring it to 26-14. And I remember one of their players saying like awfully quiet in here, and like that literally lasted I think like maybe one drive, and then I think we went down the field and scored, and and that was it. So. Yeah, I mean, just honestly, overall, just like an awesome, awesome uh, first game. Really excited um, about it and uh, really excited about the potential for this team. I'm excited for Syracuse next week. Um, We're hopefully going to have a Syracuse preview um, podcast. I'm I'm working on getting a Syracuse um, co-host of a podcast on to break down the Syracuse game, kind of like we did for Temple. So hopefully that works out. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know, Carl, if you had any other – News notes on anything uh, about the game before we put a bow on Yeah,
0: I'd say that not only was it a great game in terms of the result, but we go into Syracuse with a huge amount of confidence and momentum, which I love. So we take care of business at Syracuse. You're going to have carnival-like atmosphere for Delaware well, because the people that did it for Delaware
1: too, so people can get after it, and the, you know it's not yeah not prime time. But three thirty is a hell of a lot different than noon, and people are going to be getting after it. And it's—I'll tell you what, yeah, we come into if we come into Delaware. I don't want to overlook Syracuse because I think you know they just won their game, you know, against Ohio on the road. I don't think they're going to be a slouch. Um, but yeah, if we can somehow win that game, and we come back home 2 and I mean, the place is going to be rocking for Delaware.
0: No doubt, no doubt, it's going to be. And everybody again, FOMO is going to start to set in—that fear of missing out, right? Right. A 2-0 Rutgers with Greg Schiano back. you're gonna. It's going to be a lot easier to be giving away your tickets. Because I've been trying to give away some tickets, and it's not easy right now. But I'm telling you, you get a couple more wins under our belt, it's going to get very easy to be giving those tickets away.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, you know, another thing, in, in the interest of not looking ahead, <laughs> <laughs> in the interest of not looking ahead, I'm going to look right ahead. <laughs> Th- this schedule is very manageable. I mean, what did we learn this week in Big Ten, in the Big Ten? We learned that Northwestern has taken a step back. They didn't look very good at all. Indiana got thoroughly dismantled by Iowa. Now granted, Iowa does that to teams in Ames. They're or Iowa City rather, they are a really amazing they can completely shut you down. So but they shut down Penix and, and Freifogel, made Indiana look like middle schoolers. So they look vulnerable. Ohio State's quarterback. Now listen, they're still an elite team. They could easily make the, the college football playoff. I wasn't his, impressed with Ohio
1: State. With I wasn't Minnesota. impressed with
0: his the quarterback at all, man. He's yeah. inaccurate. He's he's fallible. He's not anywhere near where they've been in the last couple of years with Justin Fields and uh, and TJ Barrett and, and all the like they're just the the string of incredible quarterbacks they've had. He's not on that level at all. They are vulnerable. I'm not saying we're going to beat them, no. but they're vulnerable for the first time I've, ever, ever. Now, I think Wisconsin and Penn State, that, those are going to be tough no matter what for us um, yeah. because they just pound that freaking rock, man. They have they, Their whole game is offensive and defensive lines. That's our weakest part of our team by a, by a wide margin. So those are tough, and those are going to be mundane, awful games like they always are. But, I mean, hey, every other game on the schedule, every other game on the schedule is open. Like, I think Maryland has some skill guys. I was impressed with their win against West Virginia. Yeah, Maryland looked good. Yeah. But, but, but we have somehow, we're like Maryland's hex. We've like figured out how to beat them somehow. In our worst seasons, like when we had Ash as, co- as coach, we beat them. Um, I'll never with, be afraid with, of Maryland with <laughs> Gus Edwards. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and they have like an you know, elite wide receiver, a great quarterback in uh, Tagavilia. But, but, but if you can stop those skill guys, oh, and they have great secondary too. But outside of those, they actually don't have the big nasties. They don't have the linebackers and the D-line that, that that the other teams in the Big Ten have. So the point of this whole rant is just to say that this season is actually shaping up to be a really good one for us from like a, a schedule perspective. And um, I don't think that we have to play above our heads to get to the six wins and get bowl eligible this season. I, I, think, that, I think that we actually can – you know, if we win the games that we're supposed to win, we'll, we'll be at six. And if we win a game that we're not supposed to win, we'll be at seven. So it's exciting. You know, it's exciting to actually be on the track now to, to bowl eligibility again. And that would be just such a feather in the cap of Shiano and just such like a yeah. proof that this this this, this, um, this formula works. And it's yeah. one of those rare things where it's like we need him and he needs us. And how wonderful is that? It's like a perfect – it's like – it's it's perfect, right? It's like – I'm I'm so symbiotic. I'm not
1: worried about him leaving again. I think he's here. Oh, yeah. He's definitely here. And that's good
0: for us too because, again, we don't want to get into this now. It's way, way too much of a conversation. But college football is just – it's changing so dramatically. I mean, the players now have so much leverage, so much power. The fact that we have a Gavin Wimstad coming in, skipping his senior year of high school, signing a $100,000 NIL deal and potentially quarterbacking our team as a high school senior is obscene. Like it's, it's absurd and it's also amazing. And it's honestly the fact that it's happening makes me feel like
1: we're serious about this. Yeah. We're on the, we're on the the cusp of being big time.
0: Yes. With this, with that move, we, that is a big time move, right? Like that is the, that is the kind of move that Texas or Ohio state makes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so it's good to have, the point is it's good to have, stability on the coaching side because there's so much instability now in other areas to have him committed here and we're not going to have to get into too many bidding wars i don't think to keep him, that's a really big plus
1: yeah absolutely and listen not to look ahead because we're we're, we're not a look ahead podcast but um looking ahead uh so i was just looking because you got me interested when you were talking about ohio state and how ohio state is gettable um we got syracuse delaware Two very winnable games, then we're at Michigan, and then we have Ohio State at home. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we're somehow undefeated, or even we're three and one going into that Ohio State game at home? She stadium, SHI Stadium, is going to be a absolute snake pit. And like, oh God, I just want I want that so bad for us. I I want a primetime three and one or four-no oh Scarlet Knights at home playing Ohio State. And good freaking luck to the Buckeyes if that happens. It's going to be a madhouse. I would love it. And and by the way, we can 100% beat
0: Michigan. Again, I want to get ahead of ourselves, but we can 100% beat them. Yeah. And what would be amazing about that would be going into that game 4-0, our fans would be screaming at the Ohio State fans. You guys
1: suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like
0: what? Are you guys are you drunk? It's like what, yeah we're drunk. What planet am I on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, A you record fans
1: just told me we suck.
0: <laughs> you know we'd be talking just incredible stream of shit to Ohio State and with absolutely no grounds for doing it. But that's the great thing about Jersey, man. We just we give very little Fs. So like you either.
1: Exactly. Ugh. All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up. Um I I just I didn't want to touch real quick since we're a Jersey podcast. Um, you know, talk a little bit about baseball on the back end here, um, very very quickly. The Yankees stink. Uh, they just lost uh, two out of three to the Baltimore Orioles, and the only game they won was an extra innings. That's not acceptable. Um, get your shit together, Yankees. Uh, not happy about that at all. I would say at this point the division's just not going to happen. They gotta. So they got to just hold on to that last wild card spot. Um, the Mets are actually pretty hot right now. They won three out of four, I believe, this weekend. Six I mean, out of seven overall. Yeah, they're pretty hot. Uh, they actually did an amazing thing the other night. They blew a, they were up nine nothing and blew the lead. They were down. They 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 came. The Nats came back to tie at nine to nine, but the Mets still ended up winning the game eleven to nine. I I personally don't think if you blow a nine run lead, it, it shouldn't matter. Like you can't win that game. Like that should still go as a loss.
0: <laughs> yeah. They should just call the
1: game when the other team ties it. Like, all right, well, it's a good one. Uh, yeah, yep, yep, right, Nats, exactly. You blew a 9-1 lead. The game's over. Nothing else matters. <laughs> Nats win. Yep, and then uh, the Phillies are, are kind of treading water. I think they lost two out of three of the Marlins this weekend, uh, so that's not great. Marlins stink. Uh, they're two and a half out of the wild card. The Mets are four out of the wild card. The Yankees are uh, up – Half a game on Boston for the first wild card spot, but they're up three on Seattle for the wild. So the Yankees are still pretty firmly in the wild card. Um, home field is going to be important. You don't want to have to go anywhere for the wild card game, though, especially uh, you know Boston. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Can to you see imagine
0: how... Boston, New York for the wild card?
1: Man, that would be
0: that would be hate, I would hate. I
1: would hate that. I would really hate. I don't want that to happen at all. But yeah, I mean, for the average fan, it would be great. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. The wild card, like, your whole season, 162-game season, coming down to one game just scares the living shit out of me. But those wild card games are always epic, they're, man. Oh, they're awesome. Even think back, man, think back. Awesome. But if your team's in it, it sucks. Yeah, for sure. It's like, yeah, a, it's, like sure. A shoot. it's like, a, it's like when you're an overtime hockey game in the playoffs. Like, if you're just an average Joe watching the game, there's nothing better. If your team's in it, it's torture. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Fair but point. anyway, all right, that's pretty, that's pretty much all we got for this week. Um. You know, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you guys uh, next next time. Peace, Jersey. Lovely accent, New Jersey.